0: hello there viewers and listeners welcome to another edition of trey chats i am trey elling joined at the start of today's show by a good friend of mine who lives now in colorado springs it is the great paul wadlington aka scipio tex of course you can always read his great work over at insidetexas.com. and if you haven't done so already it's still not too late to pick up the Thinking Texas Football 2022 preview. I say preview, but that includes a preview of every team on the schedule this year. And that, of course, Paul, includes the Iowa State Cyclones. How are things going today, my friends?
1: Doing well, enjoying the the good life, and uh, on a little bit of a high. So I'm, I'm eager to uh, play the Cyclones and find out if there are Cyclones or a ceiling fan, as I wrote in my... Uh, when they ask me to do my name, I—that's—that's uh, that's the question I'm asking this week. Is Trey chats with a Z or an S? Jay, uh, Trey.
0: Um, it's actually with an X. It's with an X. Oh, yeah. really? Throw everybody off uh, off the uh, scent there, you know? Your your Nordic X. That's right. <laughs> that is correct. Well, the uh, the game last week, and we're not going to spend too much time on it because it's obviously Wednesday now. It's time to look ahead, but. It is not often that we're going to get to see that sort of beat down where Texas is the one handing out the beat down uh, over the Oklahoma Sooners in the Cotton Bowl. And I don't know about you, Paul, but I cannot remember the last time that I saw an Oklahoma team that bad. I know that there were some bad John Blake teams in the late 1990s. That was different level. That was Kansas Jayhawks bad from the last few years.
1: Yeah, uh, Oklahoma came to the fair with a big old can of quit. And they were just waiting to pop the top on that bad boy and guzzle it down. And uh, that happened sometime in the early third quarter. So I I think I I wrote in my post game that he was uh, Sark the Cruel through about three and a half, three quarters in that game of, you know, just crushing them schematically and and doing whatever he wanted. But Texas was really nice in that last quarter. Uh, Didn't throw a forward pass, ran the ball 15 times, basically on inside zone, and then still could have added uh, still could have gotten it up to 52 uh, that, you know, the score of that game could have been 63 to nothing if they told Hudson card to go in there and let her rip. So uh, yeah, I've never seen anything like that in the matchup in my history. Uh, the last real destruction of OU I remember is 2005 where, you know, the Texas defense just utterly dominated them. And then of course, Vince did his thing. And then I think, OU got some charity points at the end. So it looked a little closer, but this was an outright destruction. And uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I, we could, we could talk about this or not, but a lot of Texas fans are like, Oh, we don't want OU to completely self-destruct. We want them to win a few games this year because, because they're going to make them change and they'll go get a good coach. And it's like, like, let's not make this 3d chess. This is checkers. You want OU to be a smoking crater because in today's world of NIL Trey, they're not going to get Bob Stoops quietly inheriting a talented but dysfunctional roster that he fixes and turns into a good football team two years later, right? That's gone. If you create a big smoking hole crater in a program nowadays, everybody's gone. Everybody that's good is out and you got to start over. And and that's, that's what we'd like to see. We want to see OU go two and seven in big 12 play. That would be awesome.
0: Let me help those people out here. We're not, in the Big Ten right now. We're not rooting for everybody else when we're not playing that particular team. If OU goes 0-12 next year, I'm probably going to throw a small celebration for that
1: at the end of the year. I I will throw a large celebration and invite you, Trey.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I also appreciated that the game was so out of hand midway through the third quarter, Paul, because we decided, and by we, I mean me, decided to take the eight and six-year-old To their first Texas OU game, it just felt like a good year because neither team was ranked tickets weren't going to be crazy expensive. There wasn't nearly as much on the line. And let's be honest, we all felt pretty good about Texas chances of winning the game. And sure enough, despite the fact that they proved the ability to make it through four quarters of a football game in the first game of the year this season, which was a blowout in and of itself. It was one of those games that was well in hand in the third quarter. They were ready to go midway through the second quarter and needless to say this will be the last time we experiment like that
1: for another five years or so yeah trey there's carnival rides right outside of the stadium i'm not sure if you ever noted that about the state fair there's also deep fried uh delectables uh yeah as a child six and eight that's tough man that's tough you want to get out of there and you want to go ride some rides and look at big techs and and have a good time
0: well, we tried to satisfy that urge by actually going to the fair the day before, which I learned a hard lesson that I never want to be on another roller coaster ride again. I used to love roller coasters even as as uh, soon as 10 years ago, but for whatever reason at 44 now, uh, there's just something uh, very uneasy about riding a ride where it feels like you could plummet to your death in the span of about two seconds. But we took them on the ride the day before we let them play their games. And unfortunately it was just a disaster from the get-go because as soon as we walked into the fairgrounds, I'm not even kidding you. In the first 30 minutes, we had to find two different bathrooms for <laughs> bathroom breaks. And as you're probably aware from having attended that game before, there's no such thing as a nice bathroom at the state fair. No, it's all like the porta potties at ACL fest on day three of the second weekend.
1: Yeah. Or, or you've got the trough
0: the trough is uh, an experience in and of itself my son actually turned to me he's like where am i supposed to go to the bathroom i'm like right there son and he's like but there's a bunch of ice in here i'm like i know it <laughs> a bunch well, of,
1: that disturbed his 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 mindset
0: This little six-year-old brain only knows that ice goes and drinks he's never seen it going into a urinal before but well, at, least at
1: least he didn't grab any to chew on so that's good well that's only because i stopped him that's good
0: yeah, but uh, overall, it was he is a- after all. <laughs> That's right. Overall, it was a fun experience, though. But uh, we also have to think about these last couple of weeks for a couple of different reasons, Paul. One, it's nice to see Texas, and I know Steve Sarkeesian talked about this on Monday, play complimentary football to see all three facets of this team clicking at the same time. But you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yes, it was Oklahoma. Yes, it's a West Virginia team that has been competitive these last several years. But these are arguably the two worst teams in the conference this year. So, normally you want to have a short memory, but you especially want to have a short memory on a week where you're going to be playing a team that may be devoid of talent roster wise, but an Iowa State team that is going to be as physical as just about anybody
1: in the conference this year. Yeah, I think the roller coaster metaphor is apt here because, you know, I do agree with what you said, but I think the conference teams are so tightly clustered in ability. And it's really just a question of matchups from week to week and how well you play, right? Uh, there's no roller coaster that used to characterize Big 12 schedules of old, where you'd play a, a really good team and then you'd go down to the bottom and play something with absolutely awful that's not even competitive. And those days are, those days are gone. You know, Lance Leopold solved that problem. Uh, you know, Oklahoma obviously has descended and, you know, you just have to play well week to week and each week we'll play a team that's going to present some unique challenge to texas now that all said with quinn Ewers, with the defense playing better with sark just crushing it as a play caller and play designer with us adding the ability to play tempo now which is now something other teams have to prepare for texas is the team that other teams are worried about right And and it used to be like yeah well man i'm kind of worried about this matchup i think the others The other team's coaches are spending up more late nights than ours, worrying about how they're going to deal with all these layers of of difficulty in our offense and how it's all structured. And then on defense, man, uh, you know, obviously the defensive line, the interior defensive line was dominant against OU. The safeties were fantastic. And I understand those two guys are not, you know, going to be high round NFL draft picks. But as college safeties, in terms of bringing it and recognition and doing their job, you know, the truth is it's hard to to light up a college defense where you've got a really tough interior D-line and the both safeties aren't blowing coverages. They're not messing up. Uh, You could score, but you're just not going to put up a bunch of points and and make it easy. So I'm excited about this. I I think Iowa State is a potentially – worthy opponent in the sense that on defense they're going to be more physical and more competent than any, any team we've really played. Um, you know, maybe Alabama accepted, you know obviously Alabama's edge players are special. But, uh, you know, Iowa State's going to bring it. The problem is they've got some major deficiencies on offense that I think're going to continue to plague them throughout the year.
0: So we will get to that Iowa State defense here in just a sec. You know, it's interesting you bring up the two Texas safeties because they've done a nice job this year, especially Anthony Cook. I do wonder if he hasn't made himself some money based on how he has played through the first half of 2022 because he is a completely different player from the guy that we saw playing cornerback or nickel these last few years.
1: Yeah, you know, it's tough because he's not going to necessarily test super well. And I think he's a guy that, you know, look, he's going to be a a coveted guy in the UDFA market because he's going to be a guy that NFL teams want to see and get in camp and evaluate. And he strikes me as a guy who could go and make a roster, but I don't think he's going to, I don't see him getting drafted. And if he does, I think he's going to eke in into the late rounds. Uh, I don't think he's got the the physical, this isn't Deshaun Elliott, right? So I I think we'll, we'll see. Bottom line is he's a He's playing damn good football at the college level, and that's all I care about right now.
0: Okay, so as far as Iowa State is concerned, perhaps Cyclones on defense, ceiling fans on offense. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball because obviously you can't talk about this team. Haven't been able to talk about them during the Matt Campbell era without talking about that 3-3 three, three stack on defense. So what is so special about one, what John Heacock does on that side of the ball? Because we saw it last weekend with Oklahoma playing a similar version of that defense and other teams in this conference try to replicate it. But why does Iowa state continue to remain
1: so good with that defense year in and year out? So the, the so-called flyover defense is great in concept. A lot of people try to copy it. In fact, it's what OU tried to run last week, uh, which was great. I mean, that's a, it's, it's almost like playing a scout team. Uh, the problem is Iowa state executes it much, much better the players have been in the system for years they understand it heacock understands it cuz he effectively innovated it and then they've got players and i know this is hard for ou fa- or for texas fans and ou fans to conceptualize but iowa state has better players on defense by a large margin much more physical much more tough minded and frankly more talented you know ou does not have a player like will mcdonald on their defensive roster uh, they don't have a guy like Anthony Johnson on the back end. Uh, they don't have a linebacker with the physicality of Orion Vance, who's you know every bit of 260 pounds playing middle linebacker, and he's forced three or four fumbles this year, all of them from hard hits, not strips, just hitting a guy so hard his hands go limp and the ball falls out. So uh, you know it's a, it's a different set of problems that they pose, and then. Schematically, they're very sophisticated and that they're showing this three deep safety look that you'd think, oh, we're going to be able to run all day, short passes all day. Well, they understand that. They understand what their look is inviting. So what they do is they cheat. You know, they take guys in that back end or even on the, the second level on the linebackers, and they jump things, They'll attack things. They know where their run fits are. And so they'll have alignments that you think are so inviting to run the football on. But it's a mirage because they've got cl- guys closing in those alleys to stop the running lanes immediately, right at the snap of the ball. And it gives your running backs a weird uh, look that they're not used to of where they're, their cut's going to be, who their run force is. And it gives your offensive linemen a weird picture. And so you end up actually busting assignments. You end up not picking up, you let free guys run through. And, and you, you think, you know, how can this be happening? But it's all by scheme. It's all by design. The good news for Texas is they're still having to come up and make the play. They're still having to put guys in space to come up and be that run force. And I think Steve Sarkisian is going to reverse the trend that we saw last year of Arkansas playing a defense like that. Iowa State played a defense like that and absolutely schooled us not just physically and on the field, but schematically. Uh, Those were Sark's two roughest games as a play caller and a play designer. I think with Quinn Ewers at quarterback, you're going to see a very different uh, perspective from the Texas offense. And I think you're going to see that every blade of grass on the field will have to be defended. And that's where Iowa state's defense short circuits. When they play higher level elite offenses where you have to defend all of the field and they just mercilessly attack you where you aren't, that's where that defense starts to fall apart a little bit and you can move the ball and and get some big chunk gains.
0: Offensively, the Cyclones moved on from Pump Fake Purdy, uh, Charlie Kohler, of course, Brees Hall, who is now playing for the New York Jets. Uh, They do still have some pieces on offense, but this is definitely a retool year for Matt Campbell on that side of the ball.
1: Complete retooling and the most striking thing about Iowa state on offense tray is it's the least explosive set of offensive personnel in the big 12. So that's the quarterback Hunter Deckers. That's uh, Deckers is Dutch for incompletion. I'm not sure if you knew that, but yeah, uh, I thought it was Dutch
0: for left-handed incompletion. But...
1: <laughs> that's, you know, like, that's a, that's a more regional uh, colloquial uh, <laughs> aspect of Dutch. It's near, that's the Amsterdam Dutch. That's the city. Ah. Uh but yeah, I think, yeah, sometimes he plays like he's distracted, like he's in the red light district in Amsterdam. But <laughs> uh, Jarrell Brock, that change for Brees Hall. Look, Brees Hall is a good NFL running back as a rookie. And a lot of that is because he's a 220-pound guy with long speed and he can break a 70-yard run, and, which he had a real knack for. Jarrell Brock is just a guy. He's a you know, big, strong 220-pound running back. And if you block it for four, he'll get you four and a quarter right? Uh, They don't have any explosiveness in their running game. Outside wide, they've got Xavier Hutchinson still. He's a possession receiver. Uh, He's a good possession receiver. But when your number one receiver is a good possession receiver, and then your supporting personnel aren't fast, aren't threatening in any way, you just end up in a dink and dunk passing offense. And that's what Iowa State does. They're averaging less than 10 yards per completion. Mm. They're not getting the ball down the field, Trey. And that's a problem. So if you add that to their running game, which Matt Campbell obviously has a commitment to, and you can't break a run there, they're averaging less than four yards a carry. And Jarrell Brock is a guy that even if we block it right and, and Demarvian Overshone guesses wrong and it all opens up, he's not housing it. He's going to run for 25 yards and you got another set of downs and Texas has another chance for a stop. So it's a real problem, and I'm sympathetic. And you know, it's funny. I was remarking on my podcast with Randy Boone, "Everyone Gets a Trophy" podcast, that if there was a team in the conference that Texas could trade with, and both teams would benefit immensely, it's Iowa State. If we gave them some speed and a, and a our backup quarterback, Hudson Card, you know, give them Keelan Robinson, Hudson Card, uh, sell him a Jaya Hall, right? Show him all of his spark film, and then uh, Jaleel Billingsley, he's eligible. And you give us Will McDonald and, uh, you know, Anthony Johnson or Orion Vance at middle linebacker so we can play that 3 3 stack ourselves. Uh, boy, both teams would improve immensely. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, free agency has not quite reached that point in college football, but uh, yeah, that's probably coming too.
0: So t- Texas is a two touchdown plus favorite right now. I mean, the chances of Iowa State winning this game are slim to none. But if they do have a chance, especially on offense, it probably has something to do with them grinding out possessions and keeping that defense fresh and really letting the uh, the offense that sustains drives and probably ends up missing field goals at yeah. the end of those drives uh, just to keep that Texas offense off the
1: field then. They're, they're going to have to ball control Texas and convert a bunch of third and fourth downs. And they're going to, you know, Pete Krakowski would have to defend them in a way that's very respectful as if they they have a bunch of deep threats and big play threats, and he's just going to play off and sort of his standard conventional defense when he doesn't make adjustments for the opponent. But over the last two weeks, I've seen Pete Kwiatkowski game plan specifically the opponent's offense. He hasn't just run out like we're going to do our thing, we're going to play our defense. So I don't see why he wouldn't do that to Iowa State, at least on critical downs, right? Uh, you know, It's perfectly fine to play first and 10 honest and see what happens, right? But uh, if you can introduce a couple of things on third and short and, and fourth and med- medium if they go forward on midfield, well, that's how Texas's defense is going to get off the field. And then as, as long as the Texas offense gets a few possessions to explore that defense and get their sea legs, they're going to be increasingly more successful as the game goes on. Where, where Iowa State can be a little scary is that they limit you to eight offensive possessions, right? Uh, that's where I think they, they there's a recipe for an upset there. Uh, that said, I think over time, Texas, the better team, is going to win, and I think the better team is Texas. You just don't want to see Texas take a step back on offense, where you know a scheme gives them a problem with with you know pretty good personnel. Uh, but I think we're past that. I think. I think the Jimmys and Joes last year determined some of the schematic issues that Texas had on offense against certain looks. And I think Quinn Ewers solves a lot of problems. I think the emergence of Jatavian Sanders, hey, if you're running a three deep base offense, you've got a 260 pound middle linebacker who's who's a good player within his context. And you've got amazing pass catching running backs and a great tight end with legitimate threats outside. Suddenly, you're starting to get some matchups of your Iowa State in the middle of the field or on little wheel routes out on the corner that you're not real favorable about, that you're not real excited about. And that's where Texas, it's not just Quinn Ewer as a quarterback, it's the growth and development of every position at Texas representing a viable threat. Texas spreads the ball around. And uh, you'll notice if you look at our stats, Jatavian Sanders, Xavier Worthy, and Jordan Whittington all have about the same number of catches this year. Then if you add up the Texas running backs in aggregate, Keelan, Bijan, and Roshan, they have more catches in aggregate than all of our other receivers. Mm. So Texas has a very balanced attack and it's not the stupid kind of balance that people think balanced means throw it once, run it once, that's balanced. No, balanced means you can do whatever the other team can't defend or other team can't stop. Sometimes being balanced means throwing for 400 yards. Sometimes being balanced means throwing, running for 350 yards and throwing the ball 15 times. And I think Texas is starting to build that kind of balance. Obviously, the offensive line needs to hold up and play at a certain level for that to happen. But uh, I think, man, they, they're showing progress. And as long as they're not blowing things, as long as it's not getting destructed right off the 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 snap, you know, and right off the whistle. I think Texas has the ability to, to really create pressure where wherever you have a weakness. And uh, that's the concern I think for hecock coming into this game against this Texas offense. They have not seen an offense like Texas. I can assure you.
0: Yeah. I don't think there is an offense that exists in this conference right now. That's anywhere close to what Texas is capable of. All right. Last question, Paul, we're officially halfway through the 2022 season now with Texas six games in. They are obviously sitting at four and two right now. Is this team about where you expected them to be? Are they a little bit ahead of
1: schedule? What is your prognosis halfway through this year? This team is where I expected us to be exactly. I mean, I, I thought we'd be eight and four, nine and three, and um, I said multiple times, I wrote in my preview, I think this team can play for the Big Twelve title. It's not happy talk or optimism. It's just looking at the the cards Texas is being dealt and assuming some development. And yeah, we've had a bunch of seniors really come and and play good football in their final year at Texas. And that's hugely helpful, right? Everyone every year, I I always laugh because Texas fans who are just like every other fan base in college football, look at all these freshmen incoming guys and they're like, oh, we need to just start 14 freshmen and we'll just beat them with talent. And it's like, yeah, good luck with that, right? And you, what you really need is a, a group of seniors to play good ball. And then you put in and plug in those really special freshmen. Uh, or sometimes you just put in a freshman because that's all you got. Uh, but you got to do that sort of judiciously, right? And the fact is, if a player doesn't show out in his first two years at Texas, everybody wants him to transfer <laughs> and says he's a bum. But the fact is, Keandre Coburn is finally playing the football that his hype has been building up for three years. And, you know, Deshaun Jameson playing good ball. Anthony Cook, you mentioned, playing really well at safety. You know, there's you've had several of these seniors really come through. Uh, DeMarvian Overshone, in his fashion, is is playing better football. He's, he's kind of a wild card from week to week. And, you know, he does things that are not good at times out there within the construction of the defense. But there's other times, obviously, where – He's a big asset. So that's been a huge thing for Texas and uh, something to look at going forward. Because as the younger players grow and improve in combination with those seniors and upperclassmen playing well, that's where Texas is going to have their upside. So to answer your question, four and two is where I thought we'd be right now. We've gotten there in a little different way than I thought. That said, I also said that Hudson Card is going to start multiple games for Texas this year. And it won't be because he's the starting quarterback coming out of the fall. Uh, it's going to be because injury. It's because that's a reality. And anytime you start a young or underdeveloped uh, quarterback, he's going he's to ex- have some injuries. You're going to have some issues with that. And that's what's happened. The back half of the, the schedule could be very special. I, I think the, the fat part of the bell curve would be that Texas would kind of match the 4-2 and two record down the back stretch. But I think there's a good, good likelihood that if Texas plays the kind of football I think they're capable of, I think they're playing in the Big 12 title game. And uh, if they reach the Big 12 title game, I, I can tell you for damn sure they're going to be favored to win it because that means they're playing at a certain level.
0: Yeah, I do wonder if that tech loss comes back to haunt us when it comes time to uh, figure out who's playing in that game because Texas has played uh, the easiest part of the conference schedule through the first three games now. They obviously still have Oklahoma State in a couple of weeks, who right now looks to me like the best team in the conference. TCU, which I don't know about you, but it's shocking to me just how good TCU has been up to this point in the year. And then obviously Kansas state as well, who plays a very physical brand of football and does a great job of running the ball, of course, with Deuce Vaughn. And then also Adrian Martinez returning to his freshman year form. And I think proving to everybody that Scott Frost is a bit of a quarterback screamer when it comes to developing that position.
1: No doubt about that. Um, Yeah. The one thing I'll say about TCU, uh, their offense is very impressive. Quentin Johnston just, opens up so much. And we kind of talked about Xavier Hutchinson as the number one guy, but then if you don't have supporting receivers around you who are at least represent a a threat, um, it's kind of all for naught. Well, Quentin Johnston is the big daddy and he's much better than Xavier Hutchinson, but he's supported by a number of TCU receivers who are all seniors and juniors who all can run. They can all fly. Now, they can't do a lot else. They're not running sophisticated route trees, but they can run a stop and they can run a fly. And if you combine that with five wide, Quentin Johnston outside, and then a quarterback who's a legitimate run threat, hey, at the college level, that's devastating. The problem TCU has is they have not played a real offense. And their defense down the back half of the schedule is going to get exposed. You can Mm -hmm. mark that down. The question is, what's the degree of exposure? You know, if they can hold teams to 28 or 31, they're going to win a bunch of ball games. But, you know, I think you're going to see someone put 45 on TCU here pretty quickly and lead to a little bit of a reevaluation of that team. Uh, that said, I'm pretty damn happy Texas has them at home. Hopefully that's a night game when we play them. Well,
0: knowing how college football games are scheduled, if it's a ranked matchup, it's probably going to be at 8 o'clock in the morning, Paul. It'll it'll
1: be a 6 a.m. kickoff, uh, you know, and we'll, they'll play the game in Guam or something. Yeah. That's wow. right. We've got a one-up wow. Fox in their big noon kickoff.
0: If we're That's ESPN right. Now. He is Paul Wadlington. Check him out, InsideTexas.com, the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. Excellent. Listen, a couple episodes drop each and every week and make sure to get that thinking Texas football 2022 prospectus. Paul, thank you as always for the time. Looking forward to it again. Hey, Trey, always happy to
1: talk to you. You're the man. Keep it up.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. We go from Paul in Colorado Springs across the country to Florida now to catch up with our friend Brian Jones, of course, the lead studio analyst for college football for CBS, Joins us each and every week to talk Longhorn football and more, and that and more is a big one this week on CBS. <laughs> BJ, thanks as always for the time. How you doing this week, man?
2: I am outstanding, as I'm sure all of Longhorn Nation is, after watching that, uh, that significant uh, butt-whipping that was long overdue for uh, the Sooners. Uh, that was fun to watch, and, and I don't care about them not having their starting quarterback uh, who cares, uh, you, you know, going into that ball game, you win it any way you can, no matter who shows up or who doesn't. And Texas did exactly what they should have done to a team that was without their starting quarterback. And it's even more fulfilling the fact that it's the hated Sooners.
0: Is this the worst Oklahoma team that you've ever seen? What we saw out there on Saturday, because it, I cannot recall one that's even close to that.
2: Well, go back to the John Blake days, the late John Blake, when he was head coach. Uh, and they had some, some down years, of course. Uh, Gary Gibbs was their their head coach prior to Blake, and, and his teams weren't that great. Uh, those are the teams I, I played against, I believe. Uh, and uh, But the Blake years are the ones you have to point to, man. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're having a bad year, but do I feel sorry? No, not one iota. I, I recall being on that sideline and them posting 60 a couple times. Uh, on our longhorn. So, uh, I hope they, they lose again, make it four in a row, Kansas. <laughs> That's the hope you need to kick them while they're down, man. But they, they won't, I don't believe they'll be down for long. And, uh, it, it was just, it was glorious to say the least to, to witness that. And, and, and once again, post 28 points in the first quarter, but I told everyone you temper your, 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 your excitement, Although I really felt that there was no way they were coming back in that ball game.
0: No, I actually turned to the people that I was at the game with after Oklahoma's second drive where they started to run some options, some wildcat and had a little bit of success. When that drive came short, I turned to the people I was with and said, Texas is gonna shut them out today. Oh wow, there was a lot of ball game left. Yeah. but I mean, Oklahoma was throwing the kitchen sink at Texas at that point just to try and get something going. And unfortunately for them, they probably should have kicked the field goal there. But unfortunately for them, they came up short there. And you just knew it was going to be a long afternoon for the other side of the stadium. And like you, I'm completely okay with that. You're going to get a kick out of this, though, BJ. Apparently there is a faction of Texas fans who doesn't think it's good when Oklahoma is down. Like, we need Oklahoma to be okay so the wind looks a little bit better. I'm like, hell no. If Oklahoma <laughs> goes 0-12 every year, I'm going to be completely fine with that. I assume you're in that category as well. Uh,
2: thank you. Put me in that number with you, man. Uh, I, I don't want to win a damn ball game. Uh, forget that. They weren't feeling sorry for Texas when they were posting 60 on them, as I mentioned, and, and, and when Texas was going five and seven a year ago and all these down years they've experienced over the last decade. So, no, I have no feelings, no compassion whatsoever for the Oklahoma Sooners, and they feel exactly as you and I do towards our Longhorn. So uh, that's the the reason why this rivalry is, is so heated and there's so much hate associated with the rivalry because we don't care about them, they don't care about us, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Kick them while they're down. Uh once again, I hope Kansas beats them this weekend. Whoever they play after that, I hope they destroy them as well.
0: Yeah. Rooting for your rival when you're not playing them, that's Big Ten football.
2: Thank that's you. Good. Well I never like understood that. No. I don't give a about the conference. No. I, I want them to lose every other weekend. It has nothing to do with the cover. It has to do with my allegiance to the University of Texas. That's all that matters.
0: So, BJ, what impressed you most about the Longhorns' performance in Dallas on Saturday?
2: Well, one, uh, Quinn Ewers is a huge difference. There's a reason he won the job, and that dude is special. Uh, Just a flick of the wrist, and he gets the ball where it needs to be. There were a couple plays in that second quarter, the one – uh, throw to Bijan Robinson near the sideline. You had underneath coverage, and somehow he got that ball just over the outstretched hand of the underneath coverage, and right there to Bijan, who had to contort his body to make a hell of a catch. Uh, but yet you have the the defender behind Bijan. You had another defender closing in from the field. Uh, so there are three Sooners there, and somehow he he's made able to make that completion. The other throw that really stood out was the first touchdown to Sanders uh, Sanders looked go route there. And before Sanders clears that backer who had him in coverage, I think Lee was a backer and the ball was already out of yours hands. So he knew who he was going through and he knew to get the ball there early. And Sanders took a, a, a nice shot in, in the ribs when he made that catch and yet held on to the rock and of course scored. So yours is special. Uh, you, you look at – the, the O-line still too leaky for, for my uh, – for me. Uh, they got to shore that up, but I know it's going to be a work in progress, and we'll continue to say that all season long. Uh, defensively, pitching a shutout, that's impressive. Uh, now, I will say this. I'm nitpicky. Uh, this team is going to be exploited if they can't eventually, on a consistent basis, set the edge. Teams are still getting outside on them. I'm still seeing bad fits, bad gap fits on the edge. You can't do that. Uh, Iowa State may exploit it this weekend. TCU may exploit it. Someone Baylor, you you got to be able to set the edge at some point and and, and hold up on the on the per- perimeter runs and I'm just not seeing that. But once again to to pitch a shutout, man, anyway you can anyway you can get one uh that's incredible and they got one uh, and I'm glad and they stepped in the red zone, as you, as you, you mentioned, you know, going for the field goal uh, or not going for the field goal and this defense stiffening uh, down in the goal line in the red zone uh, and and, and holding on to that shutout. That that's great, man. And uh, taking on that wildcat, they didn't know what to expect. And and OU threw about five different guys under center uh, at various times in that, in that game And, and being able to adjust to that and, and, and being stout, uh, that was impressive. And you just saw that fire again that was missing on the road to Lubbock and that uh, has re- returned these last couple of weeks. They need to hold on to that. And I'll tell you who else was impressive was Jordan Whittington. Uh, and, and yours, you know, other than the interception, his other misfire was to Whittington because he would have had a touchdown. He overthrew him. But that dude uh, is, is just been – he's been lights out thus far this season. Uh, they get the ball to him in myriad ways. His right, his route running has been precise, and his blocking, his blocking has been incredible. I think it was the Keelan Robinson uh, touchdown. His blocking downfield, he just flattened at, uh, at an OU defender. So that right there, I, I took notice of, and, and, and love to see more of that. And, and the fact, and, and Jordan told me, he said, "I take pride in blocking, and, and it shows." Uh, so those are the things that that really stood out. It was a thorough. Uh, butt whipping, uh, and they never let down. But still, uh, there, there are areas where they can improve.
0: Yeah, on that Keelan Robinson touchdown, it's a great point. The the block that Jordan Whittington had, even Xavier Worthy was blocking really well on that yeah. play too. And that's great to see because when your star receivers are doing the little things that are necessary for your football team to succeed, that don't necessarily show up in the box score that's going to carry over to everybody else. Yeah, they selfless,
2: and you have to be. You, you, you have to take pride in every facet of the game. On the defensive side of the ball, we always say you take care of your responsibility, then you become a football player. It's not enough to say, well, I had my gap, so what? The ball didn't go in that gap, go find it. Uh, and the same on the offensive side of the ball, especially with those receivers, you know, if you you want to look around, go buy a ticket, and you see that often. Uh, I'm yelling at the screen all the time. You've seen guys get in the way of their ball carriers and end up tackling them in some instances. So the the key is to be a well-rounded football player. Uh, If It's a running play. Make sure you're blocking. Even if it's a passing play and the ball didn't come to you, make sure you're you're looking for someone in a different color uniform uh, to latch on to and help out your teammate.
0: Longhorns need a short memory. Uh, It is uh, another game this Saturday at home, 11 a.m. kickoff against an Iowa State team that is a little bit down this year. They are one of a handful of teams that are still winless in the conference, but they've played three pretty close games, a couple of which were against good competition as well, BJ. Are you worried at all about a letdown for the Longhorns considering the emotional high that they were on heading out of Dallas last weekend? I
2: I would be lying if I said I wasn't, but I am, and I'm hoping I don't experience a letdown. Uh, you're, You're not there. You haven't arrived, and you're still a long way from arriving. And I hope they understand that. And all they have to do is go back to the, 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 the game in Lubbock. Go back, turn on that film, look at that that performance. And if you think you're now big man on campus and, and, and you, you know, hottie totty or whatever, no, you're not. You beat a, a weak team, but we don't care about them being weak. They're still an arch rival. And and, and and you you won the ball game, but now you move on from that. You celebrate your 24 hours, and you move on to Iowa State. And Iowa State's going to come in and want to punch you in the mouth. And That's how they played against uh, Kansas, uh, the game they lost, the field goal kicker Jace Gilbert, uh, one for four, kicking uh, the ball. And then last week, another tough ball game and a tough loss versus K-State. Hell, K-State, what, nine points? I believe that was the final score, nine to seven or something. Ten to nine, so, yeah. Ten, was it 10-9? Yeah. yeah. And 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 they don't quit. All you have to do is watch the kid Knowles, the wide receiver for K-State, thinks he has a touchdown, and he's just you know, taking a leisurely jog to the end zone, and the defender for Iowa State punches the ball out and it's going the other way. So uh, those guys that have been in that locker from a long, long for a long, long time, three to four years, they know what Iowa State's gonna bring to this party. And I think Iowa State's won the last two. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, that does sound right. Because I think they did win that game in Austin a couple of years ago. They definitely won last year. And sadly, it wasn't even close. Right.
2: Yeah. So they're going to be tough. And and if you're sitting there still riding high thinking about last week in Dallas, you're going to be in for a rude awakening.
0: The big game this weekend, BJ, is the top 10 matchup. You guys are carrying it on CBS, 2.30 Central Time, 3.30 New York Time, of course, which is where you will be watching the game and uh, doing the analysis in studio before at halftime and afterwards as well. That would be Alabama at Tennessee, a resurgent Vols team going up against an Alabama squad that looks very beatable, especially with Bryce Young not at quarterback these last couple of weeks. What's his status, and what's your overall feel with this game?
2: His status is still up in the air. I'm not sure. And of course, they're playing that close to the vest. Uh, chance he may play this week, we'll have to just wait and see. Uh, Bama had the turnovers, but I give the Aggies defense a lot of credit, and I knew that they wouldn't play as poorly as they did the week prior at Mississippi State, and that, that showed in this game. They've got a, a pretty uh, active front. Their backers can run. And that secondary can, can can cover you up. Uh that being said, with Milro in there, not as efficient a passer, of course, as the Heisman, the reigning Heisman trophy winner. So you expect a little drop-off there, but he used his wheels uh, a lot in that ball game. Uh when I look at Tennessee, love their offense. I believe they have the offense to hang with Bama. Last year they went into the fourth quarter only about a touchdown, uh, a, a touchdown deficit in that fourth quarter at Tuscaloosa. Uh, Hendon Hooker still hasn't thrown a pick uh, this season, uh, and, and and they have a, a tough-minded running game. But defensively, that's where they're going to have some issues because they're not as good as Texas A&M on the defensive side of the ball. I like this 24, uh, the Beasley kid at linebacker, uh, Aaron Beasley. Trayvon Flowers uh, in that secondary is pretty good. He had a, a pick last week versus LSU. They may be without one of their starting safeties, this Jalen McCullough. He had some uh, law enforcement issues this past weekend uh, there in, in Knoxville. There's no word on on his availability yet, but uh, they're going to have to outscore Bauer. They're going to have to score. They're, they're one of three teams that scored at least 34 points thus far this season. TCU and Oklahoma state being the other two, they're going to have to score at least 40, I believe to win this ball game offensively. Uh, I think they can get there. Uh, Defensively, it's going to be a challenge stopping Bama uh, series, you know, each and every series.
0: Speaking of Oklahoma State and TCU, that game is happening in Fort Worth this weekend. Uh, It kicks off at the same time as Alabama-Tennessee. Do you have a feel in this one one way or another? Because for me right now, BJ, it uh, feels like Oklahoma State, even including Texas, is the best team in this conference. They are the most physical team in this conference, and Spencer Sanders Looks like he has finally turned that quarter uh, corner at the corner quarter, uh, quarterback position, where he is uh, far more a net positive for this team week in and week out than a guy that you're not sure what you're going to get with.
2: Well, he better live up to that quote from this past weekend when he said he's a one tough mofo. Okay. I would agree with you, though. He does look to be a different quarterback thus far this season, and- they had a lot of self-inflicted wounds in that game versus Tech and I don't want to take anything away from the Red Raiders they came in played hard uh but you, you turn on that film a lot of self-inflicted wounds uh with turnovers and not taking advantage of certain opportunities uh in the ball game uh and, and their defense man uh I, I've say, I was singing their praises after the Baylor game, and, and then you know they came out and laid an egg. That being said, they're down eight in that third quarter, and they reeled off 18 unanswered points to, to get the W, and that's the mark of, of good teams that don't may not have that A game, but they can find a way uh, to still beat you. Uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma State in the game. TCU had a hard-fought one there, in Kansas, of course, and Jalen Daniels, the quarterback, went out of that one, and, and Josh Bean, the former starter, had 10 starts a season ago for the Jayhawks, come in, and he was dropping some dimes, and Max Duggan did his thing again. And that Johnson, that wide receiver, he's got to be one of the most underrated wide receivers in the nation. Quick Johnson, he's not just done it this year; he's done it since he's been there uh, for the Horn Frogs. He's one hell of a wide receiver. Uh, but I, I think Okie State will, will win on the road. Uh, you look at TCU's defense; they give up a ton of points. Uh, they they. Gave up. What was it? 24 to to uh, to Oklahoma. This was after Dylan was out of the game. I think there was they had 10 on the board. Then he leaves and then they gave up another, uh, you know, few touchdowns. But uh, Okie State, they'll play much better than they did last week.
0: And that would set up a big matchup in Stillwater the following Saturday, Texas traveling to Stillwater to take on those Oklahoma State Cowboys. Of course, we will discuss that matchup with our friend Brian Jones next Wednesday. In the meantime, BJ, thank you as always for the time. Have yourself a fantastic rest
2: of the week in Hook'Em. Thank you, man, man. Appreciate you. Hook'em.
0: That's it for another edition of Trey Chats. If you like today's show, please do hit that thumbs up button. And as always, if you have not already, do subscribe to the On Texas Football YouTube channel. You can click that red subscribe button now. Thanks to Paul Wadlington and Brian Jones for hanging out. And thanks to you, as always, for watching and listening. Until next time, I'm Trey Elling. Hook'em.